0: topic today is from rags to riches. We're going to talk about a man who lived almost 4,000 years ago. Back in the days of the pharaohs, when the pyramids were still standing there, well, they were there, I guess, when Joseph was a boy for about seven, eight 800, 900 years. So we're going back a long way in time. And we're going to discover today, as we talk about Joseph, some very important truths. Truths that give us light in darkness as we personally experience hard times. We're going to discover today that bad things happen to good people. I want every person to hear that plainly. Bad things happen to good people. Hey, what have you done wrong, people sometimes say, when a person has a calamity? What have you done wrong? So they think that bad times are brought about as judgments by God because people have done bad things. But the Bible teaches that bad things happen to good people. But there's some good news. God, by his providence, brings good things out of bad things. That's a great truth. I want you to think about this. The Bible says, as you know, in the book of Romans, all things work together for good to those who love God. And nobody went through times, well, I guess they have, but not too many people have gone through times as hard as Joseph. A good man who got sold as a slave ended up in a pit, but God, my friend, took him out of that pit and put him in a palace. So God can bring even a palace out of a pit there's another great truth and as you know this ministry is under attack today it's possibly never before we've had lots of spiritual attacks but we're going through a time of trouble but i want you to know this god can frustrate and defeat all the schemings and devising devisings of people who want to hurt you Just remember this. There were lots of people out to get Joseph. But the good news is this, as we're going to discover today. If God is for you, who can be against you? And a good God can bring good things out of bad things. And so today we're going to go to the Bible. And I want you to take your Bible and turn with me to Genesis chapter 37 and verse 2, please. As we continue our series On the book of Genesis, back again. Genesis, this is a part of the Genesis series. Genesis chapter 37 and verse 2. The Bible says, this is the account of Jacob. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpar, his father's wives. And he brought their father a bad report about them. The Bible says he brought a bad report. I would think that they thought he was a tittle-tat use this word here? Hmm? Tattletail? Same thing. Do you use the word sticky beak? You don't know what a sticky beak is? A sticky beak is a person with a big beak and it has it in everybody else's business. (laughs) And so they thought he was a sticky beak and he was a tittle-tat or what? Tattletail. Well, same sort of thing. You see, we understand each other perfectly. And he went along to his father, perhaps a little immature, with a little immaturity and a little bit of self righteousness, and he gave a report about his brothers. But I want to tell you folks something Joseph was a good boy, but you couldn't say that about his brothers. They were mean, mean fellows. Notice verses 3 and 4, if you don't mind. Now, Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons. You know why, don't you? You know why don't you? The real reason he was the son of Rachel, his true love. This is the woman he wanted and this is the woman who he was tricked out of and this is the woman he just loved so much and she was the son of the woman he loved. And so verse 3, now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age and he made a richly ornamented robe for him when his brothers saw that his father loved him more than any of them they hated him Not, couldn't, couldn't speak a kind word to him now my friend most folks think that jealousy is just a little sin but jealousy is like a little spark that can grow into a tremendous fire And these older brothers who were, you would say, mature men at least in age, should have said, well, he's just a boy. He's just a boy. But in their hearts there came a bitterness of jealousy. And they said, why does this boy have these things that we ought to have? And so jealousy came. And then verse verse 5, it makes it difficult. It says, Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. When he told his father as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, What is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. You know why his father kept the matter in mind? Because his father had a premonition it was true. And it was a prophecy. God had given a prophecy to this brash young man. And even though the brothers could not believe it was true in the heart of the wise old patriarch Jacob there came the glimmer yes it may be true. Now I want you to come if you don't mind to verse verse 12. Now his brothers had gone to graze their father's flock near Shechem. And Israel said to Joseph, As you know your brothers are grazing the flock near Shechem. Come, I'm going to send you to them. Very well, he replied. So he said to them, Go and see if all is well with your brothers and with the flocks and bring word back to me. Then he sent him off from the valley of of Hebron. And so he travels about 60, 70 or 80 miles and he comes to the brothers. And when the brothers see him they say, Here is the dreamer here is this young guy who thinks he's going to rule over us and they devise a plot that they will silence his mouth even if they've got to take his blood if you come now friend I want you to notice this text here notice verse let's see verse 19 here comes the dreamer they said to each other come now let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him then we'll see what comes of his dreams when Reuben heard this, he tried to rescue him from their hands. Let's not take his life, he said. Don't shed any blood. Throw him into this cistern here in the desert. But don't lay a hand on him. Reuben said this to rescue him from him, from them and take him back to his father. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the richly ornamented robe he was wearing, and they took him and threw him into the cistern. Now the cistern was empty. There was no water in it. As they sat down to eat their meal, they looked up and saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead. Their their camels were loaded with spices, balm, and myrrh, and they were on their way to take them down to Egypt. Judah said to his brothers, What will we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hand on him. After all, he is our our own brother, our own flesh and blood, his brothers agreed. And so they sell the boy for a few dollars worth of silver. And the boy is taken down to the land of Egypt and the boy is sold into slavery i want you to notice another text here if you don't mind because this is something a verse 31 then they got joseph's robe slaughtered a goat and dipped the robe in the blood they took the ornamented robe back to their father and said we found this examine it to see whether it is your son's robe he recognized it and said it is my son's robe Some ferocious animal has devoured him. Joseph has surely been torn to pieces. Then Jacob took his clothes, put on sackcloth, and mourned for his sons many days. All his sons and daughters came to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. Can you think of this comforting ceremony? Here are these men who know the truth. They gather around the old man and they say, hey, he got killed by an animal. They put their arms around the old man. They speak wonderful, kind, loving words. They say he's in the hands of God. They speak all the words of piety. You know, some people are great at speaking words of piety and giving beautiful talks, but in their hearts they're simply liars. And these men were liars. I want to say this. Lying today doesn't score very big on the sin card because most people think there's nothing wrong with it. Did you know a survey was carried out here in these great United States and they discovered this was a scientific survey. It was carried out that 91% of us are habitual lies. We don't care about it. In Washington today, as you can see what goes on in the White House, they have spin masters, people who simply make up stories. People say, who cares? Doesn't matter. I want to tell you, my friend, if a person is a lie, he's not going to heaven. The Bible says in the book of Revelation outside the kingdom of God are all lies. And even though these guys didn't think there was anything wrong with it, God knew there was a lot wrong with it. God was keeping the record. Roland Stewart, one of the most honest men in the world who is our treasurer, said to me in the office this week, he said there's a lot of people who believe it's wrong to steal. I know that's wrong. But most people, he said, he's talking about people he knows, I guess. He said they don't care about telling lies. Can I tell you folks something? A person who's an habitual liar is not going to go to heaven. I want you to know this. You can't go to heaven and be a liar. That's absolutely impossible. There are going to be no liars in heaven. You're saying to me then, you may say, that means most people are not going to go to heaven who call themselves Christians. Absolutely right. Jesus said broad is the way. Narrow is the way. And here were guys who were liars But God had written it down in his book and all those lies were going to come out later. I want to tell you folks something, you cannot cover lies with the blood of Jesus. Did you hear this? Lies cannot be covered with the blood of Jesus. Lies have to be brought out in the open and confessed and put away and restitution must be applied to those lies before the blood of Jesus will cover those sins. This is the word of God. I know it's pretty strong. People say, I've had people say to me, we don't like it when you say these things. Can I tell you folks something? It is my duty to tell you the truth and get you to heaven, whether you like what I tell you or not. If you go and see Dr. Randall Houston, he says to me, you've got a cancer, and I've got to do something for that cancer. You may say, I don't like Dr. Houston because he's told me I've got cancer. You better like him. You better like what he tells you because he's telling you this because he wants to save you. And the Bible tells us the truth because the Bible wants To have us in the kingdom of God. So these guys come to mourn the old man of 108 years. They've got tears in their eyes and lies in their mouths. But God was keeping record and there's something about God, God doesn't forget. He's got a great memory. Would you please come now to chapter 39. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. This is verse 1. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, brought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. The Lord was with Joseph. Now before we read any further, I want to give you just a little bit of history that I think is probably true. I can't be dogmatic. But it appears that the Pharaoh at this time was not an Egyptian. And uh, it seems from a study of archaeology and history that Joseph went down into the land of Egypt During the times of the Hyksos kings who were foreign invaders. And they were Semites just like the children of Israel. And that's why it says Potiphar was an Egyptian. Well you'd think he was an Egyptian but not so because the Hyksos were running the land. They were foreigners who'd come in and rule Egypt for many many years. But Potiphar was a man who was an Egyptian who was one of the king's king's servants. And so he buys this young guy as a slave. Verse 2, the Lord was with Joseph and he prospered and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. I want to ask you folks a question. Why do you think he prospered? Here he is. He's just a boy, 17, maybe 18 now. He's now a slave and he's living as a slave in an Egyptian's house. But the Bible says he prospers. Why does he prosper? Why does he prosper? He prospers because as Bob says God was with him. Now my friend you can be taken and thrown into a dungeon. But even a dungeon cannot rob you of the presence of God. And when you have the presence of God you have his prosperity. So if you're in the hands of God, you don't have to worry about too much, do you? Now, verse 3 When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. A Potiphar put him in charge of his household, and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household and of all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So he left in Joseph's care everything he had. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. That's why Jesus said of his followers, You're the salt of the earth. Where? A true child of God goes. I'm not talking about hypocrites. I'm not talking about put ons. I'm not talking about religious charlatans. I'm not talking about smooth talkers. I'm talking about a dinky dye, genuine, true blue believer. I'm talking about somebody who is a person that is genuine not a fraud not a put on not a smooth talker not a load of baloney you see i'm talking about a genuine person the bible says that person is the salt of the earth and where that person goes the blessing of god will rest i want every person to know today that they can take away your house They can take away your reputation, but they can't take away the blessing of the presence of God. And so here is this young Hebrew, 17, 18, he's strong and he's good good looking. He has everything that makes him desirable to the other sex. And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even to be with her. So here you have a handsome slave and a frustrated housewife. And she doesn't give up, but she keeps after him with her long eyelashes. Verse 11, one day he went into the house to attend to his duties and none of the household servants was inside. She caught him by his cloak and said, come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. When she saw that he had left his cloak in her hand and had run out of the house, she called her household servants. Look, she said to him, this Hebrew has been brought to us to make sport of us. He came in here to sleep with me, but I screamed. When he heard me scream for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house she too was a liar and she had set up the prophet and the servant of the most high god read on she kept his cloak beside her until her his master came home then she told him this story that Hebrew slave you brought us came to me to make sport of me, but as soon as I screamed for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. The liar. When his master heard the story his wife told him saying this is how your slave treated me. He burned with anger. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison the place where the king's prisoners were confined. Why didn't he chop off his head as the law demanded of a slave who tried to rape the mistress. Why? Because he knew his wife that she was a liar and he knew Joseph my friend if Joseph had been guilty and if Potiphar had known it he would have been executed on the spot and so to save face and the face of this loathsome woman this liar He puts this boy in prison. But while Joseph was there in the prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison and he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. My friend, you can't keep a good man down. A good man can be kicked, he can be knocked down, he can be insulted, he can be lied about. They can frame him, they can accuse him of adultery, they can do everything they like, they can tell awful stories about him but you can't keep him down when God is with him. You can also have lawsuits. <laughs> now back in these days you don't read of lawsuits because they were not as corrupted as they are today. Can I tell you folks something? And I say this to our national shame because I'm one of you. This country has more lawsuits than any other nation in the world. It is a shame and a disgrace to a Christian nation. It's a shame and a disgrace. Can I tell you folks something? If you're a brain surgeon over here, Dr. Houston, if you, you know, operate on people's brains, I'm told it costs about 100000 a year for insurance for a doctor. You know, tremendous. In some countries, just as sophisticated in brain surgery as this country, the insurance every year is five or six hundred dollars. Why? Because this country has turned away from trust in God. This is why. This is why we sue, 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 sue. It is a sin and a shame and a disgrace to this nation. And for church members to take church members to court, it is. A sin against almighty God. You can read it in the Bible. The Bible says it is a sin against God. So Joseph wasn't sued. They put him in jail. But God was with him. And God blessed him. Did you know I've done this? If you take a jar and put pebbles in it, little pebbles, little stones, and big stones, as you shake that jar, you know what happens? The little ones go down and the big ones come to the top. And God lets his church get shaken so we will see who are the little ones and who are the big ones in the sight of God. As the shaking goes on, the little ones sink, but the big ones come to the top. Maybe you're being shaken, my friend. Well, God will shake you so it'll be revealed who you are. Then in chapter 40, you have the story of the ungrateful cupbearer and the baker who lost his head. You know the story. I'm not going to read it all to you. That Joseph is in prison. And the king's baker is there. And the king's cupbearer. They're there because they've fallen out of the with the king. And they both have dreams. They both have dreams. And uh They call in Joseph and they say, please tell us the dreams, what they mean. And Joseph correctly interprets the dreams and he says to the cupbearer, the the king is going to lift up your head and you're going to come soon and squeeze the grape juice again into his cup. What about me, the baker? Well, the king is going to lift up your head also. But he's going to lift it up, he's going to chop it off. And it comes to pass. And the cupbearer gets out of prison, and the baker loses his head, he gets out too. Just isn't whole (laughs) that he gets out of prison. And time goes by. Thirteen years. How many? Thirteen years. Thirteen years in a prison praying saying God why have you done this to me God my friend always comes through but he doesn't seem to be in a hurry people say but I've been praying for a year well you may have to pray for 13 years I'm not offering you an easy way. I'm telling you, the Bible says he was there for 13 years. And then Pharaoh has a dream and he sees seven fat cows come up out of the Nile. And then seven skinny cows. And the seven skinny cows eat up the seven fat cows. And then he sees seven ears of corn and wheat. Seven fat ones and seven skinny ones. And then he sees the wind comes and it blows upon them. And he can't sleep about this. He can't sleep as he thinks about it. So he calls in the magicians like Daniel did. Like as happened in the days of Daniel at least. He calls in his magicians like Nebuchadnezzar did. And he says, interpret this to me. They can't work it out. They don't know anything about these skinny cows and these fat cows and these... These ears of corn shriveled by the hot east wind. And then there's a guy in the court. This is years after. He says, you know, I seem to think I can remember there was a guy back there in the prison. Thirteen years? Yeah, his name was Joseph, and he can tell the king his dreams, I believe. So they send for Joseph, and they shave his head to make him look presentable, and they bring him in before Pharaoh. And he comes in before Pharaoh and the mighty Pharaoh. And my friend, these Pharaohs were mighty men. Uh, there he was dressed in all his splendor, seated upon his throne. And here comes Joseph. He's about 30 years of age. And uh, the king says, can you tell me what these, what the business is about these seven fat cows and these seven skinny cows and these seven heads of corn that can shrivel up what does what does it mean and he says, i can't tell you but he says god can tell you and then he reveals the secret to the king and then the king says what should we do and he talks to his counselors and because the hand of god is not upon them the counselors haven't got a clue what they ought to do and then he says to joseph have you got any ideas what we ought to do and joseph says yes you got to find a wise man You've got to find a wise man. You've got to put him in charge because seven years of famine are going to come. And you better start storing up. And you better get a wise man, a great administrator. And so the king, the Pharaoh says, is there anywhere in the world where we can find a man as wise as Joseph? Trustworthy who doesn't tell lies i wonder my friend what mrs potter was thinking (laughs) and so the pharaoh says i love egypt i love egyptology the pharaoh says step forward and they put a gold chain around his neck and the king plucks off his ring, puts it on his finger, and he says, I proclaim that you are Zathanas Paneer." It's written in the Bible. That's the actual Egyptian word. Zathanath Paneer. And when he goes out that day, he's, got a, he's riding a chariot. And uh, the attendants call out, Abrek! Abrek, 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 bow the knee, bow the knee. The second is coming, the prime minister. And it happened so quickly. Did it? Thirteen years. But when it happened, it happened quickly. God took this faithful, decent boy who wouldn't lie, who wouldn't cheat, who wouldn't degrade himself. He took him, my friend, out of the pit. And he put him in the palace. Everybody may have forgotten him. The cup bearer may have forgotten him. But I've got news for you, God hadn't forgotten him. Would you please look at uh, chapter 41 please? 41 to 45, 41 to 45, so Pharaoh said to Joseph, I've put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt, so let it be spoken, so let it be done. I put you in all, in charge of all the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his finger and put it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in robes of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. He had him ride in a chariot as his second in command. And men shouted before him, make way, make way. Thus he put him in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh. But without your word no one will lift hand or foot in all Egypt. Pharaoh gave Joseph the name Zathanath-Panir and gave him Asenath, daughter of Potiphar, a priest of On, to be his wife. And Joseph went throughout the land of Egypt. Joseph was 30 years old when he entered the service of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And so there are seven years of plenty. You know it in the Bible. But then the famine comes. And up there in the land of Canaan, there's an old man by the, naked, by the name of Jacob with his sons and their wives and their children, and they're getting hungry. And so the father says, Go down to Egypt and buy food. And so the boys, without Benjamin, they go down to the land of Egypt and when they come to the frontier part a message is sent to Joseph there are some foreigners coming from the land of Canaan and he asks about them what do they look like they come into his presence you know what they do they fall down on their knees and Joseph stands with his golden headdress Dressed in the finest robes of Egypt. Zathanas Parnir. He says you're spies. No, oh my Lord, we're not spies. Where do you come from? We come from Palestine. Canaan. Have you a father? Yes, we have a father. Have you a brother? Yes, we have a young brother. Have you any other brothers? We had one, but he's dead. he's dead he says we're going to give you food but one of you must stay here one of you must stay here and when you come back you must bring back your younger brother so they go back they pay of course the money when they get on their way they open up When they get home, they open up the bags of corn and wheat, and their money is in it. They say, what is God doing? And time goes by, maybe a year or so, they eat all the food. And they're hungry and the father says go back maybe this man down there will be merciful to you. And they say we can't go back unless you allow Benjamin to go back because the man said unless Benjamin comes you will not see my face. And it is written in the scriptures. Would you notice chapter 42 verses one and onwards. When Jacob learned that there was grain in Egypt he said to his sons why do you keep looking at each other? He continued I've heard that there is grain in Egypt go down there and buy some for us so that we may live and not die then ten of Joseph's brothers went down to buy grain from Egypt and uh, then you come to chapter 43 chapter 43 oh boy this is a story Now the famine was still severe in the land, so when they'd eaten all the grain they'd brought from Egypt, their father said to them, go back and buy us a little more food. But Judah said to him, the man warned us solemnly, you will not see my face again until your brother is with you. And so they're forced to return to the land of Egypt to buy some more food. But the father says, take down some honey and some balm and some incense so that this great man in Egypt will be merciful to you and then when they get down there they come in again into the presence of the Zathnath-panir and they bow down and the Zathnath-panir says we're going to have a banquet but he said of course I can't eat with you I don't eat with unclean people <laughs> so he has a banquet and when they sit down to eat the brothers discover that they're all seated according to their ages and then he says i have some gifts for you and to benjamin he gives a portion five times more and then he says all right take the food and you can go and as they go they're on their way Then uh, the Zathanath pioneer, Joseph says, call out the army, pursue them, get after them, because my magic cup is missing. What a story, folks. Do you need to go to Hollywood? So they're on the way, and then you can hear the pounding of the horse's hooves and the chariots and the tinkling of the the silver ornaments on the horse's necks, and the horses come pounding up, and uh, the army says, stop. My master's divining cup is missing. Well they say, do you think that we would do this? We told you a moment ago that our money was somehow in our sacks and we returned a double portion. And then one of them blurts out, the person who has the cup will be put to death. We'll be your servants. We'll be your slaves for life. Oh no. No, that wouldn't be fair, says the Egyptian. Just the person, my friend. Just the person, he says, who has the silver cup. Only him. The rest of you can go. So they look through all of the bags and they find the divining cup in Benjamin's sack. And so they go back. And then something wonderful happens. Judah, who had been so harsh unkind so ungodly 20 years before he stands up and he says i have an old father back home if benjamin doesn't go back it'll kill my father he says i will take my brother's place let it be upon me And then they start to talk to each other in the Hebrew tongue and they don't think this Egyptian can understand them and they blurt out, it is because of our sin. It is because of what we did to Joseph that we're being treated like this. It is because of our sin. And Zathnath Parnir can't take it any longer and he walks out. And you can read it in the next chapter. chapter 45 then Joseph could no longer control himself before all his attendants and he cried out have everyone leave my presence so there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers and he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him and Pharaoh's household heard about it Joseph said to his brothers I am Joseph Is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, Come near to me. Come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now there has been famine in the land, and for the next five years there will be no plowing and reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. All things work together for good he says I guess this is one of the great moments in history when these men on the ground kneeling before him look at him and they see a mighty Egyptian prince and he says probably takes off his crown look it's me you haven't seen me for 22 years it's Joseph Don't be mad at yourselves because God had his plan even in the evil that you did. Now he says, is my father all right? Go and tell my father Joseph is alive. And so the brothers go back. And old Jacob is looking down the road and he hears the camels coming. But more than camels, there are prancing horses and Egyptians. Egyptians they come to the father those those brothers and they say father joseph is alive he's the boss of egypt and the old man can't believe it he's alive father we lied to you Be sure your sin will find you out. You can lie, you can lie, you can lie, you can lie. But the day is going to come when it's going to come out in the wash. Let it come out now. Let it come out now. Make your peace with God now. Because it's going to come out. There's a judgment day coming, friend. And so he can't believe it. But when he looks out the tent, he sees the horses. And he sees the men dressed as only the Egyptians could dress in their finery. I love Egypt. I love it. I I specialize in it. And so the old man says, it is enough if Joseph is alive. They go down to Egypt. And the Bible says that one of the boys, one of the men, because they're they're not boys any longer, they're midlife or older Jacob is now well over a hundred and the Bible tells us that Joseph prepared his chariot oh I wish I could talk about that and describe that he prepared his chariot the pomp the ceremony you've seen movies from Hollywood he gets in his chariot a golden chariot with prancing stallions and with half the army of Egypt, they go out and the camels are coming. And the brothers are there and the old man is there and the children are there and Joseph, the Bible says, gets out of the chariot and the old patriarch comes to his boy and he says, my son, You are alive. And the boy takes the father and the brothers back to Pharaoh, introduces them to Pharaoh. Pharaoh says, The land is before them, let them have the land of Goshen. Then the years roll by. Seventeen years. Seventeen years, God gave him. Another seventeen years. And Jacob dies, and after the death of the father, those men who were so so hard-hearted in their youth think Joseph is going to seek revenge. Would you look at chapter fifty, chapter fifty, and verse fifteen and onwards? when their message came Joseph wept listen my friend listen carefully there is no confession of sin without repentance I had somebody come to me recently then they said to me Pastor Carter what is in the past is in the past we can do nothing about it yes you can you can confess it to God and confess it to man can I tell you a practical story i had a man he's not here today he's moved to another part of the country come to me and say pastor carter i've got something for you i said what is it calling him by name he said i took this out of one of my client's houses these are special coins they're worth thousands and thousands you can use them for the carter report i said what did you steal this yeah but he said i'm going to use it for god's work my friend people are doing it all the time using religion to cover sin I'm going to use it for God's work. I said to him, my brother, do you want to go to heaven? Yes. Well, you're not going until you take it back. He said, what am I going to do? He said, I'll go to jail. I said, take it back. Take it back. He took it back. He broke in again. He broke in. Returned it. Imagine these folks when they wake up in Beverly Hills and they see it's all back. <laughs> Listen, you've got to take it back. If you've stolen, you've got to take it back. If you've lied about somebody, you've got to take it back. You say, I can't. Well, Okay. Bye bye. No heaven. You've got to take it back. You say, What sort of gospel is this? The gospel of the Bible. If you've stolen, if you've lied, if you've cheated, if you've done any of those things, my friend, I tell you, you've got to do what the brothers did. Confess it, Lord. Confess it to God and confess it to man. You say, I can't accept this. Then my friend, heaven's not for you. It is the teaching of the Bible. I am not preaching this damnable lollipop, marshmallow, sickening, nauseating religion that has taken this country over. I'm preaching the word of the living God. Take it back. Some of you need to go and take it back. Make it right with God. Then God will take you back. This is the word of the Lord. And those brothers had to go to Joseph and confess it. Confess it and not rationalize their conduct. Verse 18. His brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. Remember the dream. We are your slaves they said. But Joseph said to them don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is being done, the saving of many lives. You wanted to hurt me, but God meant it for good. Listen, a Christian will not seek revenge. A Christian, by the grace of God, will return good for evil. God have mercy, but he will not upon the person who returns evil for good. The person who returns evil for good the bible says evil shall never leave their dwelling if good is done to you and you return evil for that good evil will be with you until the day you die until the fourth generation but joseph would not hold a grudge and if somebody has done something rotten to you my friend You are by the grace of God to forgive them whether they're saved or not. You are to forgive them whether they deserve it or not. You are to forgive them. But then they have to if they're going to be saved take it back. And then Joseph said those words. He said you meant it for evil but God meant it for good for the saving of many souls people may try to take you down they may slander you they may lie about you they may threaten you they may do rotten things to you they may do evil to you but God my friend can bring and will bring good out of the evil if you are a child of God because God's not asleep you know God's awake. He's got it all written down. And God is working in our lives and working in the lives of others to take his people from rags to riches, from poverty to prosperity. It doesn't always happen in this lifetime. From the pit to the palace, from slavery to being a prince. And in all the intrigue of evil men. God is there and in charge. And out of that evil. God will bring good. For his glory. And the salvation of his people. Therefore, what shall we say to all these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen and amen.